Well, here we are. At home. In our living rooms. With our families. With those we love. Today, wherever you are located. Know that you are not alone. You are not alone. We are still connected. Today, we're gathering as one body. One body. One body. Because the church is not one building. It never has been. We gather today as one church. One church. To lift up one name. The name of Jesus. 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 So wherever you are, today is the day the Lord has made. Today is the day to give him thanks. So let's unite. So let's worship. Let's praise his name. For he is worthy of it today and every day. Because we are still the church. We are the church. We are the church. We are the church. We are the church. Good morning, Grace Church. So glad that we get to be together today celebrating our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Wherever you're at, let's stand up. Let's get put our hands together. Let's celebrate this God who is always worthy of our praise. Come on.
all you've done for me, Lord. Let's tell him he's worthy. Come on. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. Worthy is the King who conquered the grave. Sing, Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. So we don't just celebrate what you've done, but we celebrate what you have not yet finished. Yeah. Keep working, yeah. Jesus. Keep making ways where it seems like there's no way. Because you are here, then in our midst, I worship you. I worship you. You are here. Working in this place, I worship you. I worship you. Let's sing that again. You are here. You are here, moving in our midst. I worship you. I worship you. You are here, working in this. Worship you, you are we maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Tell him, come on. We maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are. Here, touching every heart, I worship you. I worship you. You are here, healing every heart. I worship. 
worship you. We worship you. You are here, augmenting every device. I worship you. Oh, I worship you, yeah. You are waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. Stop working, never stop, never stop working. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. Never stop, never stop working. Never stop, come on, declare it, let it rise up. Even when I don't see it, you're working. Even when I don't feel it, you're working. You never stop, never stop working.
Jesús
God, we thank you that you don't ask that we be perfect. You don't ask that we come to you fixed up or cleaned up. Just say, are you still breathing? Are you still breathing? And use that breath that I put in your lungs and praise me back. So we thank you for that, God. We thank you that you're the one that qualifies our worship, not us. You're the one that glorifies our praise, not us. Thank you that it's all about you, Jesus. All about you, Jesus. We love you. We love you. Say that wherever you're at. Say, we love you, Lord. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. morning, Grace. I'm so happy that you are here with us today. This is Dylan and I'm Tasha. We are the youth pastors here at Grace. We are super excited that you are, have tuned in. Um, we love you. We miss seeing your faces face to face, but we nonetheless are so happy that we are gathered here together today. Yes. Um, we're going to continue with our heart of worship and go into tithes and offering. Um, we just want to give back to the God who gives it all. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, we love you so much, Lord. We pray that you would bless this tithes and offering, Lord God. We pray that you would make it go further than we could ever imagine, Lord God. We recognize that you are not a God who is contained in a little box, but you work further than that. You work further than we could ever imagine. So Lord Jesus, would you take this offering, Lord God, and would you help this city, Lord God? Would you grow your kingdom and would you use us doing it? In Jesus' name, amen. We also have a drive-in movie theater on June 19th at 9 o'clock in honors of Father's Day. We would love for you guys to be there. If you would like to be there, register online on our website or you can go through um, our Church Center app. We would love to see you there. Yes, sign up. For those young people out there, Grace Youth is still happening. We're just we're just virtual, so you can jump on on Wednesdays at 4.30, we go live, and every other Wednesday we post a video. We call it Thank God It's Wednesday. It's just a fun video um, that you can laugh at. We do some crazy things. It's super fun. And then also keep watching on our Instagram, which is Grace Youth Fed. Um, we will be announcing some further things about when we'll be starting up, and it's really exciting, so make sure you pay attention. Um, also, we have a little video for our grads that graduated this year. We love them so much and we want to make sure that they um, get recognized the way that they should. We're yeah. so proud of them. Proud. We're proud of you guys. You, you guys did, did it. it. Um, so why don't you guys uh, stay tuned, watch this video that we have for you for the grads. Congratulations, you did it. My advice to you today is to stay connected. We want to see you part of Grace Church and excited for all that God has in store for you in your coming days. Love you. 
Alright, what is up young adults? You guys are young adults now. So excited for you. Congratulations on graduating. Um, you guys have a bright future ahead of you. So we're excited to see what comes out of new things, alright? Hey, we're so proud of you. Congratulations on your graduation. Man, the future is gonna be so good because God's in control and he's got a great plan for you. Congratulations, class of 2020. We are so proud of everything you've accomplished and we're so excited for what God has in store for you in this next season of your life, for the new people that you're gonna meet, for the places that you're gonna go. We're so excited for what God has for you. And just always remember, if you find yourself in a tight space without a stove, you can always make a really good grilled cheese sandwich on the hot side of your iron. Hey class of 2020, I just want to say that we are so proud of you. Way to go. Continue to move forward and change the world. Hey, just remember this proverb. It's chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. It says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean in your own understanding. And when you acknowledge Him in all your ways, He will keep your path straight. Hey, we're believing for you. We're cheering you on. Way to go. God bless you. Way to be a world changer. Good morning, grad. Yes, good morning, graduates. I know we just watched that video. <laughs> good morning, church and graduates. Like we said in the video, we are so proud of you. It's been a long journey and you made it. But hey, I also want to give a shout out to all of our parents out there who have raised these kids that graduated high school. Way to go. Give yourself a pat on the back, buckle up, because now we get to teach them how to survive in adulthood. So all of you who have already, you know, gone through this journey of your kids graduating high school and you know what we're about to enter into, we might need a support group here pretty soon. So be ready for that. Church, I'm excited to share the word with you this morning. And more than that, I'm excited to see your faces again here at Grace Church. And I want you to know we are working diligently to be able to open up and still be able to stream. And it won't be much longer before we'll be able to gather with you together. But today I'm imagining that I am with you in your living room having a cup of coffee and we're going to get into the word together. Before we do that, let's go ahead and pray. Jesus, we thank you so much, God, that we have another day, Lord, to worship you. And Lord, as we open up your word this morning, God, would you speak to us? Lord, help our ears to hear and our hearts to receive your truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, if you've been with us for a while, you know that we are in the middle of a series called Essentials. And we've been talking about the essentials that we need to keep our faith anchored in truth. 
We started off with talking about how important it is to keep an eternal perspective, to remember that we have access to the heavenlies. We've also talked about how important it is to remember the character of God, that he is good all the time. And last week, Omar taught us about justice and that we serve a God of justice and that as Christ followers, we need to stand up for justice. So we are going to continue in this essential series and uh, you'll find out pretty quickly, I think, where we're going to go today on what our next essential is. But if you have your Bibles with you, I want you to open up to Philippians 4 and we are going to talk, um, have a discussion about what the answer would be to this question. Is it possible to get to a point in our spiritual life where external things do not control us internally? And as we talk about these external situations, I think that this is probably the one time in history where everyone can identify today something that has happened that they're, they're, they have no control over, right? We all are in a challenging situation right now. Those of us who have had to stay home, those of us whose work has increased because you are considered an essential worker, there are aspects of our life that we all are experiencing that could be difficult. But maybe beyond that, there are other things that before COVID you were walking in. And this has just heightened what that is to you. And oftentimes in these types of situations that we find ourselves in, we can get to a point where we want to give up because we're tired and we're done. And today we're going to talk about what we can do in moments like that and also how to be prepared, how to keep ourselves from getting to that place of feeling like giving up. Hopefully you have found Philippians 4.13. And we should also have it on the screen for you. But this scripture, uh, you probably have heard, even if you've never walked into a church before. It's one that we'll see on walls, signs, keychains. It says this, For I can do everything through Christ Jesus who gives me strength. This passage, this one verse reminds us that Christ will supply us the strength we need to keep on going. We can't can turn into we can through Christ. For I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But here's the thing. This verse is also probably one of the most misunderstood verses in the Bible. Oftentimes, we will quote that verse, and really what we're saying is, I can do anything that I set my mind to. I can do anything that that, uh, sounds good to me. And that is not where Paul was going with this scripture. In context, he's saying, I can endure the hard challenges that are out of my control through Jesus Christ. Now, to fully understand the context of what Paul is talking about, it's important that we read the scriptures surrounding it. So we're going to move up a little bit to verse 10. Verse 10 says this, How I praise the Lord that you are concerned about me again. I know you have always been concerned for me, but you didn't have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need, for I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. For I can do 
everything through Christ who strengthens me. Again, when Paul's saying this, he's, he's saying, I can do all of this that's in front of me only because of Jesus Christ, only because I've learned what content really means. Have you guessed what our essential word of the day is? Being content. It is essential that we learn what being content truly means. Now, we have to remember that when Paul was writing this, he was writing it while he was awaiting a trial. Uh, Historians believe that Paul was probably on house arrest, which cracks me up to think that back then there was such a thing as house arrest, right? And many of us today, we can identify with what that might feel like. I don't know about you, but when stay-at-home order was made, I found an excuse every single day to go to the store, maybe a couple times a day, because I needed to get out of my house. So you can imagine where Paul was at in this stage of his life when he was writing this letter. Paul was a guy who traveled a lot. He was not used to being in one spot, let alone not knowing what his future actually held for him. And we can learn from Paul's letters to the church how we can also be content in moments like this. It's easy for us to think of these um, people that we read about in the Bible as characters from a story. Sometimes we forget the humanity, that they felt the same things we feel. So when we're looking at the scripture today, I really want you to look at it in that context of he was experiencing the same things that I experience. He was forced into solitude, isolated, cut off from the people that he loves and misses, just like we feel towards you, (laughs) not being able to meet and gather with you every single week. But he says, this experience that I'm in has not affected my ability to stay content. This experience that I'm in has not rocked my faith because I know who my trust is in. And and that's what we want to get to as Christ followers, is that when we say I can do all things through Christ the Lord who strengthens me, that it is truly an inward work being expressed on the outside. Now, when I think of the word content, I feel like there's two uh, responses that we can usually have. One is going to be positive, like, yes, things are great. I'm satisfied. Everything is going well, fulfilling, all of that. And then there's the other response where we look at it in more of a negative context, where we could feel like we're being complacent or somebody else is being complacent. We could feel like uh, content means you're settling for less. And everybody's going to fall on one of those scales. Usually uh, in a marriage or any type of partner relationship, one is looking at it in the positive way, one is looking at it in the negative way. For Omar and I, if you know us very well, you can probably guess which one looks at the positive (laughs) and which one is going to be more of the realist, right? But see, both of these, both of these need to be kept in the true understanding of what content means. Just like Paul said, when there's little and when there's much, I have learned. And that is for us today. Now, before we talk about what content really means, though, we do need to understand and identify what it is not. Contentment is not complacent. 
When we give into complacent, we actually stop contending. If we are complacent, we are refusing to work on things and refusing to move forward. We could easily misuse the word content as an excuse to stay where we are emotionally, physically, or spiritually. God does not call us to be content with anything outside of his will. Let me say that again. God does not call us to be content with anything outside of his will. God does not call us to be okay or content with anything that he doesn't label good and right. When we give in to complacency, we stop contending. If we are complacent, we are refusing to move forward. We can easily get into that mindset that I'm in this place. I'm in, let's say, financial bondage. Therefore, I am poor and I need to learn to be content with being poor. And God is saying, no, you need to work on the things that you need to work on that got yourself into financial bondage. But I will give you the strength you need to do the hard things. See, oftentimes we'll give into complacency because we don't want to do the hard work it's going to take to be content. And this is often where we'll see Christianity, um, Christians stay in even abusive relationships because we feel like I have to keep putting up with this behavior. And friends, I want to tell you today, that is not contentment. Contentment, again, is recognizing what is good. And we need to be able to say, I'm going to contend for what is good and what is right. And God will give me the strength to move forward. We have to learn how to be content and to contend at the same time. To contend means to press on for change, press on for a miracle, press on for breakthrough. We don't need to buy into that lie that says contentment is settling for less than God's best. There's a difference in being content in something and not being content with something. Paul's referring to being content at peace in the middle of a situation that he can't control. However, He was not being content with the situation. See, when we learn to be content in the hard things, that's when we are able to move towards the breakthrough, contend towards the breakthrough. It's in the strength of the Lord that we have the hope to keep going, the peace that does not make sense. If you haven't experienced that kind of peace, It's here for you. We can trust that God will work all things out for the good. That is in his word, Romans 8, 28, for those that love him. And when we're in those hard situations, it's his word that we have to hold on to that is going to give us the ability to be content. Jesus said we are in the world, but not of it. We are meant to be a beacon of light. Even though we're in a hard situation, even though things around us are happening that we can't control, we can still be a light. I want you to take a moment and think about one thing that you're struggling with. 
What are the things that are pressing in on you that are more than likely causing you to be discontent? Is it your health? Is it feeling isolated? Is it relational? Is it the economy? We need to contend for God to change the things that we find that disrupt our content in him. This is why we need to understand what contentment truly is. The idea of contentment is so beautiful when we fully understand how it works. See, the root for content is contained. Think of a container for a moment. For example, this water bottle right here. The contentment means that we get to place our relationship with God that we, can, that we contain inside of us, the very content of God's hope and life. We actually get our contentment when we sustain our, sustain our lives out of the content he put inside of us. Yeah. This water in here. That, that is an example. It can sound kind of confusing, but it's the water inside of us, the living water of Jesus Christ that represents the fullness of Christ through the Holy Spirit that he has given to us. Without the water, it's a useless cup, right? But we have access to this living water that will bring fresh life to us every day in every situation. See, Jesus actually used this same analogy when he talked about the new life that he puts inside of us. He, he did call it living water, and he told the disciples before his ascension that he would not leave them, but he would send his spirit to live inside of us. 2 Corinthians 4, 7, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that all surpassing power is from God and not from us. Paul also said in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. This is radical, my friends. When we can truly grasp what this means, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. We contain a life of Jesus. Theologians will call this the indwelling life of Christ, indwelling inside of us. The contentment that Paul's referring to, he's saying, I tap in, I drink from that living water. I satisfy myself even when it's hard. So, uh, Corinthians 4, 8 through 10, we are hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. Do you believe that this morning? We always carry around in our body the death of Christ so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed. When we are living a content life, we learn to be content in the good and hard. Paul's saying contentment isn't going to change by the season I'm in. If I'm in a season of plenty or in a season of need, it doesn't matter no matter what happens externally, because I had discovered the true contentment comes from the source from where I drink. The secret to this is hidden in where you choose to drink. What the world offers or what Jesus offers. 
See, the Bible says that the life of Christ is like a river that is flowing and never ends. I don't know if you've ever seen a flowing stream that goes to a river that you can't see the end of. But recently I uh, was in Missouri with my parents and they have a large property that has flowing a stream of water that flows into a pond. And what happens sometimes is the pond, the thing, obviously I don't know what it's called, but whatever it is that goes into the pond will get blocked from water crescents. So we had the job of cleaning out the water crescents. And when I was standing in the water, right, it was disgusting. And I kept thinking, I hope I don't fall in this thing because it's dark, I can't see what's in there. And my mom was like, what are you talking about? It's the freshest water you could ever drink. And I'm like, no way, why would I ever drink that? You will get sick. And she began to show me where the spring was at and the water that was flowing fresh. And as we cleaned that out, the water became clear. As soon as that blockage was removed, it began to flow again. Fresh water. We need to understand the reality of what fresh water is and what Jesus is offering us. See, the Bible also gives us two examples of this very thing. More than two. But we're going to look at two today. One in the Old Testament and one in the New Testament. There's a story about Jesus talking to a woman in Samaria. In, in John chapter 4, and I encourage you to read that this week. But Jesus tells her that in him as the Messiah, she can have access to a water well that will spring up. Because she was... Back in the day, you know, they had to take their jugs to the well and fill up every single day. And she said, tell me where I can find this so that I don't have to keep coming back. And Jesus is saying, I am he. I am here. And he's saying the same thing to us today. He began to show her that the things that she was trying to fill herself up with, like relationships in her situation, they were getting in the way of the fresh living water that he is offering. There's another story in the Old Testament in which God's people are in the wilderness. They were trusting God. They were drinking from his well spiritually. They sustained, the, sustained themselves through God and through his word. But then they started to do something that we often do when we are tired of doing the same thing over and over again. When we find ourselves in a routine and passion is gone, right? We get bored. And what did they do? They got distracted and ended up shifting away from their source. They looked to things of the world to satisfy them instead of God's presence. They started to believe that those external things could provide the satisfaction. And if we're honest with ourselves, we can easily also do the same. But see, God sent a prophet to reset them. The prophet in Jeremiah 2, verse 13 says, My people have committed two sins. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and have dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. In other words, my people who were drinking from me spiritually started to dig up their own cisterns. These were broken cisterns 
that could not hold water nor sustain life. Let me clarify this here. We have a moment in which they had to make a choice. God was sustaining them. He was their source, their very life source, their source of contentment. Because when, when we are receiving from the Lord and we're drinking from his living water, it will produce contentment. And here we see that, you know, they had to make that decision. Were they going to continue to build their own hole and drink that murky water, which would never satisfy them? Or were they going to choose to turn to Jesus and receive from the flowing river. See, this is what I believe Paul is drawing us back to in Philippians 4. I've learned the secret of being content. I know what it's like to be sustained by the inner life in Christ. I don't have to go find my own source. And this is very counterculture. Right now, everyone is wondering, what are we going to do? How are we going to get through this season? Will we come back from this? Are things always going to look different? Or what about diversity and unity? How are we really going to make an impactful change in our nation? How will we continue to take a stand for what is right in a system that is not right? My friends, the answer to this question lies in your choice of resource. I ask you today, what well are you drinking from? The well that will offer life, strength, direction, and contentment, or your own cistern that will leave you dry, always wanting for more. We need to be on guard. The enemy will use any tactic he can to distract you from living a life of contentment. Because when we lose contentment in Christ Jesus, we are no longer drinking from his well. We begin drinking from our own cistern, never satisfied going from one thing to the next. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be alert and sober mind. Your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. We need to be on guard of the things the enemy will use to steal our contentment. We're going to look at a few things that will rob us of contentment that we need to be on the lookout for. The fantasy trap. Isn't it true that we can be so disconnect or discontent that we obsess over things we don't have? It might be a person. It might be a relationship. It might be monetary. It might even be a vacation that you're never going to get. Fantasy is creating images of something you want that you do not have. This is why so many Americans are in debt. We fantasize about something we want so much so that we're no longer content in the financial discipline that God has asked us to live in, that we go out of our means and purchase over and over again, trying to find our contentment in things rather than in the disciplines that he has asked us to walk in. Or how about this? If a married person begins to think about someone other than their spouse, they begin to fantasize about that person, they're no longer content in their own marriage. They want something else. 
If a married or a single person views or reads porn, they are fantasizing about a sexual image that will rob their contentment of the covenant of marriage. We can fantasize about good things too. Like I said, a vacation, a job, a new adventure of some sort. If you're an Enneagram 7, if you're into Enneagrams, I'm an Enneagram 7. And I have to be careful not to fantasize about the next thing. It will rob us of the contentment of where we are at in the now. To be content means we need to be careful about what we are thinking about. To be content means we avoid looking or imagining things that are not a reality. Now, I want you to hear me out. There's a difference between dreaming and goal setting and pursuing, right, and fantasizing. Fantasy is an unrestrained imagination. For example, in no way am I able right now to go to Hawaii and be on the beach for two weeks. So why would I spend time fantasizing about that? Because then I'll just get discontent about where I'm at right now and what I'm supposed to be doing right now. To dream is to be inspired to actually do something. If we are to dream, there should also be action steps. That's part of where the contending comes in. We don't want it to become a fantasy, so therefore we must take action. A dream can flourish in contentment. For example, I'm in school right now to be a counselor. I've wanted to get a degree in counseling for many, many years. And it was never the right time, and I knew that. So therefore, I had to be careful to not imagine too soon, right? But I kept that dream. And now that I'm in school, I will find myself imagining what it would be like to not be in school, and then I want to give up. And then I'm no longer content in the season I'm in. We have to be willing to seek the Lord and find and recognize those areas in our life where we are seeking things that are causing us to be discontent. This past week, Pastor Christy and I were talking, and she said this, and I, I don't remember what exactly we were talking about, but she said, the grass is greener where you water it. And that reigns so true. I feel like to this, this very message, where we're at is where we need to be and where we need to water I love what Paul said just a few scriptures above Philippians 10. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice and the God of peace will be with you. If you find that you fixate on what you want that you don't have, I encourage you to focus on that passage. Write it out, type it out, post it where you need to so that we can remember to keep our, thing, our mind on things that are true. The second way the enemy can rob us from contentment is through entitlement. Entitlement is pretty sneaky. It can sneak into 
Christians pretty quickly, and especially Christian leaders. Often if our behavior is that of entitlement, we usually are slow to realize it. If we feel owed or obligated for others to care for our needs, then we're acting out in entitlement. And when we're in entitlement, we're not living in contentment. More than likely, if you use the words, that's not fair. And let me tell you, that's not just a saying for a four-year-old. We as adults say it as well. But when we use that word, we're operating in entitlement. If we feel like we deserve more than the next person, likely we're being entitled and not walking in contentment. If we feel entitled to specific things, we are looking for external things to satisfy us internally. We will never live the life of contentment with entitlement. And we need to remember that the enemy will do everything he can to steal these things, to reverse our contentment. The world is full of enticing things that say, I deserve that. Marriages are broken up because someone says, I deserve that. I ask you today, what in your life are you saying that you deserve? And are you willing to bring it before the Lord? The last contentment robber we will look at is control. When life is hard, more often than not, things are happening to us that are out of our control. I mean, just look at the last three months. There's been a lot that has happened that is out of your control. And when we are used to controlling things, we can easily begin to manipulate things to receive the outcome that we desire. Oftentimes, this is even where we'll see uh, anger being acted out. Because our anger, in the wrong way, can manipulate people to do things that we want them to do. We'll never be able to live in contentment if we can't give our control over to the Lord and trust Him with the things that are outside of our control. If I could get a worship team to start playing, we're going we're gonna to begin to come to a place where we can ask these questions to the Lord. And the big question, as we've spent a lot of time identifying what contentment really is, the big question is still this, is it possible to get to the point in our spiritual life where external things do not control us internally? The answer is yes. Yes, it is. See, the first and foremost thing that we have to do, though, is accept that Jesus Christ is who he says he is. Earlier, I mentioned the Samaritan woman at the well. I, I encourage you, like I said before, to read that chapter because Jesus is offering us that same living water today. Whether you have known Jesus or not, he is inviting you into a relationship with Him where He can fulfill and satisfy every need you have. Yet we have to be willing to choose to drink from His source. By His death and resurrection, it is possible to obtain this fresh living water that will bring peace and joy even in the desert. 
And maybe today you've recognized that you were drinking from the source of living water, but you were, got distracted. There are some things that have enticed you and pulled you away from being content in Jesus Christ. And he's saying today, it's here. It's here. And he's saying, I will give you the strength that you need to maybe make the changes that need to be made. Ask for forgiveness where forgiveness needs to be asked. The disciplines that you need to walk in that are often hard. Jesus is saying, I will give you the strength. You can do all those things through me. I invite you this morning to come back to the well of living water. Lay the fantasies down, the entitlement, the control. Lay them at the cross and take a drink from the fresh water that Jesus is offering. A few weeks ago, I was pressure washing, and I don't know if you've ever pressure washed before, but it is so satisfying to me to see something that is black turned white. And as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about that is what God does for us. Sometimes we don't even know what our original color is. We don't know what our original identity is. And Jesus is saying, I will wash all the things away that needs to be washed away. And I will make you new again. When we live in contentment, we are able to keep our purest form through the blood of Jesus that keeps us clean. It is in his contentment that we will find the strength to contend for the things in front of us. You might be contending for your health. You might be contending for your marriage. You might be contending for your finances. You might be contending for your future jobs. Whatever you're contending for, don't give up. Bring it to the cross. Take a drink and receive the strength that only Christ can give you. While the world right now is racing to get back to normal, to gain back their external circumstances, to bring some sort of contentment, we as believers can endure patiently in contentment. I sense the Lord saying to many of us, are you willing to be patient enough to let me finish the work I'm doing? I've talked to many people who've shared that during this time, things have shifted from darkness to light, just like the pressure washing. For many, there's something new that's happening inside of you, and it needs to keep growing. You and I must guard ourselves from the enemy that will distract us from the mission he has put in front of us. And friends, it's important to understand that the mission is always Jesus. The method of that mission may look different for everyone. Let us be a church that will keep drinking from the well of living water, staying the course of the commitment in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for your word, that it is alive and active. And God, as my friends take in the word today, God, as even for myself as I was pray praying, God, and seeking you in this, Lord, 
there were things that I had to release to you that I had to choose to say, yes, bring me back to that place of contentment in this. And as my friends do the same this morning, God, would they be encouraged by your word and your truth? Would your peace reign in them? Would you give to them a new passion, God? A new passion for the life that you have called them to. God, that, that you would remind them they don't have to be content of, about the situation, about the sickness, about the discord in relationships, but they are to be content in you. And that then, God, you will do the work that only you can do. So, Lord, help us. Give us that strength that we need to move forward in those things, to keep saying yes and to not give up. We thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, church, thank you for joining in today. If you haven't been with us on Tuesday evening yet on Zoom, we have prayer meeting. And also, I want you to know, we'll post it later on today on the Facebook page, but we are part of a Foursquare movement that is moving forward in our um, movement towards racial reconciliation. And there's something exciting happening this week, three days of prayer and fasting. So we'll post that and you can be a part of our Foursquare movement in that direction as well. But we are contending with you. We love you and we will see you soon. Thanks for joining us, church. We would love to stay connected with you. Be checking out our Facebook, our website, our Instagram. We want to stay connected. If you have anything you want to tell us, a praise report, if, if you would like prayer, anything at all, call or text us. We love being there with you. We love supporting you. We just love loving you. We miss you. We'll see you next Sunday. We love you. Goodbye.